Well, good morning, Grace Chapel. Any video that has a picture of a welder in it, I'm going to like. So I'm um, glad you guys are here this morning. I have a question for you. It's the same question I'll be asking throughout this series is, what are you building? What are you working on? What are you focused on? What kind of life are you building? And that's the series. That's what it's all about. Are you building a life that will outlast you, or are you building a life that is temporal or temporary? And last week, we heard Jesus' words, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. When I read those words and when I ask you what you're building and say, you know, the goal is to build something strong, the the goal is to build something that will last every, there's not a person that wouldn't say, yes, that's what I want. But how? And and uh, amidst the storm, what does it look like to actually put one foot in front of the other and build this thing that God wants from us? One of the biggest struggles in our lives today is worry. It's anxiety. Worrying about family, about jobs, about retirement plans, worrying about your health. All you have to do is turn on the news or look at Facebook for a few minutes and you can see the modern events that have been going on. Friends of mine are are worried about Iran. What does it mean? What's happened? What does that mean to our country? A few weeks ago, there was a shooting in Texas in a church during a worship service. We have this technology, and at the nine o'clock hour, we've been going through Jesse Gardner through uh, what does it mean to be a Christian in this technological age. We have all this information at our fingertips, and there's something really interesting about people. We don't seem to care so much about the good events that happen around the world. We only focus on the horrible, atrocious events, so it, it all comes to my phone immediately, and I read story after story after story. And pretty soon, it doesn't take long before worry develops in my heart. And I become concerned about the future. What does tomorrow look like? What does the next day look like? What does five years down the road looks like? You know, worry, you you know this, I don't have to say this, but I'll, I'll remind us, worry breaks us down. It breaks us down mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and even physically. And there's studies that show this. This kind of thought process in our minds actually physically hurts us. So it's no secret that it's a bad thing. Nobody here wants to worry. But how do we not with all that is going on in our life? You know, if we spend a little time with Jesus and his words this morning in a way that permeates our heart, in a way that affects us tomorrow and the day after and the day after, I think we can walk away being encouraged this morning. So that's what I want to do. Jesus actually tells us two things. He tells us why we worry, and he tells us what perspective to use in order to not worry. It's almost like he knew. When he's standing there preaching in front of his 12 disciples and all the other followers and anybody else that had heard, it's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Jesus is preaching. It's almost like he knew. 2020, today, this morning, we would be going, how do I not worry? 
how do I not worry? And he gives us these words. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 6, 24 through 34. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Jesus starts off by saying in, in chapter 6 of 24, or verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Everybody in the crowd's going, oh yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody can serve two masters. That's true, Jesus. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So far he has the crowd. Yes, you're right. Who can serve two masters? It's crazy. It's difficult. It, it would confuse you. You would, you would end up liking one and not the other and vice versa, and it would be a mess. And then he says this statement. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. And you can hear the, in the crowd, how did he know? <laughs> right? How dare you? You say that I, I can't serve, I can't make money? What are you saying, Jesus? Are you saying that, that I'm not supposed to work hard for my money and, and save it up and, and spend it on my family and prepare for retirement and prepare for my kids' college funds and on and on and on? What are you saying? I can't serve God in money. It's so interesting what Jesus does. He brings this up in a way. He's talking actually about something that looks a lot like slavery. And, and you hear the language when he says, you, you can't serve two masters. He's saying you can't be a slave to two masters. You can't do it. If you're a slave to money, you can't serve God. And if you're, and if you're a slave to God, money, what well, becomes less important? Becomes less important. It's not, you're not owned by it. You're not a slave of it. He goes on in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And if you don't know, this is kind of a hand-to-mouth culture that they were in. A lot of these people probably didn't know where their next meal was coming from, or if, if they did, if they were like the wealthy crew that did, they knew people that didn't, or their family members didn't know where their next meal was coming from. So you hear Jesus' words, and he says, listen, you, 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 know, you don't have to worry about life or about what you'll eat or drink or your body or what you'll wear. I, I can imagine the audience at this point going, where do you get off, Jesus, telling me not to worry? You don't know my life? You're just a rabbi from Galilee and, 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 and you don't know what I'm living and you don't know the pain that I'm in, the suffering that I have. You don't know what tomorrow is going to look like for me. And you just say, don't worry. I mean, this is, this is like telling a four-year-old to go to sleep, right? Four-year-old says, well, how? And you say, just go to sleep. I, do it. But the more you try to do it, the more awake you are, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. No, it's not working. I'm trying don't worry. Oh, okay, how do, I, how do I not worry? And Jesus is doing something. He's, he's sparking the interest of his audience. And he's saying, listen, this is the goal. This is a thing that you guys do, and I know why you do it. But it's not something that you have to do. And so he begins to show a perspective that will free these people and free you and I from worry. It says, isn't life bigger than what you eat and what you drink? And ironically, if you don't eat or drink, you 
won't have a life. But when we worry, we get tunnel vision. At least I do. I get, I get worried on one thing. It's like a back injury. If, if you have a healthy back, you don't think about your back. You don't probably even think, you know, all the time that you even have a back. It just kind of is there and it works and everything's fine. But if you've ever injured your back, all of a sudden, all you have is a back. You can't get out of bed in the morning. You can't brush your teeth. You can't shower. You can't even tie your shoes. So when, you, when a problem arises in our life, we have this tendency to go, boom, and to, to focus in on it. And suddenly, our world revolves around it. Jesus is saying, listen, food, drink, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is. Life is bigger. And he's trying to get his audience to step back and to look at the big perspective. And he's getting them to admit, your life is bigger than what you eat or drink or your body, what you will wear. Life's more than food and body more than clothes. And then he does this crazy thing in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. He's got these people wrapped up and, and they're going, wait, you just said don't worry and, and, and my family is starving and I don't, I don't know how to put those two things together. How do we connect the dots? And, and all of a sudden you're throwing birds in here? What, what are you doing? It's, it almost feels like he's poking fun. Look at the birds of the air. I had a friend, we worked uh, together at a software company, and he had this saying that I'll never forget. He always would say, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't no- hey, hey, Nate, can you send this email? Ain't nobody got time for email. We got work to do. <laughs> it's this phrase he would use over and over. I can imagine people listening to Jesus going, birds of the air? Nobody's got time to look at birds of the air? I'm hungry. Nobody's got time to look at bir- uh, focus on the birds of the air. My, my kids need a college fund. I need retirement. What's going to happen tomorrow? The dangers and the risks and all the things are weighing down on me. And you want me to look at the birds of the air. But Jesus, he's doing something. He's this master craftsman at, at, at painting a picture. And he's trying to get us to zoom out and to see that the things that we worry about are not the definition of our life. Our life is much bigger, believe it or not, than the things that keep you up at night. And he's saying, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away. They're not concerned about their 401ks or their college funds. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The birds of the air seem to know something. They're not worried about tomorrow. They don't worry about what their kids are going to do when they hit high school. (laughs) What decisions are going to be made. What college they're going to go to. and, And how much money do I have to save in order for them to have the opportunities that they need. Birds don't seem to care about that. In fact, they they don't seem to care about much. They pretty happy. Snowing outside, they're happy. It's raining outside, they're happy. They don't really care about the weather. Jesus is zooming us out and is is telling us such an important thing that I don't know about you, but I forget every storm, I forget this thing that Jesus is doing. Saying, "I I don't think you know how valuable you are. I don't think you know how much the Father loves you. Look at the way he cares for these birds. And, and he, 
He made you in his image. Before you were born, Jesus sat down and he thought, I'm going to give this gift to that person and I'm going to create them this way and, and they are going to resemble me. And, and, and Jesus, as a craftsman, he, he doesn't make mistakes. That's right. You weren't a mistake. You're exactly the way God wants you to be, the way he created you. You're valuable to him. And suddenly my problem starts to shrink a little bit. Then in 27, he says, can any one of you by worrying, add a single hour to your life. I can't. I can't really even change my life. In fact, the things that I worry about are generally the things that I have absolutely no control over. But I worry about them. So Jesus is saying, look, you're laboring over something that, that doesn't even work. It's, it's a broken thing. that You can't control it. It, it, it just happens. So why are, you, why are you worrying? Because you can't change anything. It goes on in 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. He does it again. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here tomorrow and tomorrow is or here today and is tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much how uh, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He keeps shrinking my problems, <laughs> and He keeps growing God's love for me, and He's pushing and pushing and pushing on this idea. That worrying is not the way that my mind is supposed to work. It's not who I am. It's not the way that I work. He goes on to say, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's the point. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What is your form, and what is your function who are you and what were you designed to do? That's the question. We start asking those kinds of questions, no matter what's going on in our life, the problem starts to shrink. The pagan's view is that I have to worry because no one else will. I have to take care of me because no one else will. I am all I have. So of course, someone who doesn't believe in God would, would think that. 
but those who have put their faith in Jesus and, and have a relationship with him. Jesus is saying, why are you going back to the old way of thinking? Your form and your function, who you are and what you are to do. You see, sons and daughters of the king don't need to think about worrying. They don't need to be concerned with the things that they can't control. Sons and daughters of the king don't need to waste energy on those things because they know their father has it taken care of. Now, I have a, um, an old tractor in my barn. I probably talk about it too much. I'm sorry, but I'm going to talk about it again. It's my grandfather's 1948 case. Standard crop tractor. It's like the, the mid-size, 1948, 1950s. You see them everywhere, all over the farms, all over the United States. And so when I got this tractor, my grandfather's neighbor had it after my grandfather passed away, and I bought it from him, and I brought it here. And, and I have this huge, long driveway. And, and on mornings like this, you really need something to remove snow. You can't just... I don't have a snowplow or anything, so I know. I'll use this really big, awesome, amazing, it runs really well, it's mint condition. I'll use this tractor to remove snow. And first winter goes by, and I go, you know, it, it doesn't quite work as well as I thought it would. It's not as easy as I thought it would. It gets stuck a lot, and it, it's not really designed to push snow. It's, it's really designed to pull a plow, you know? And, and it just kind of wasn't working. And, and I used it again the second winter, and it was like, man, I just, I feel like I'm damaging it. I feel like it's coming apart, and things became loose that aren't supposed to be loose, and oil starts leaking in places it's not supposed to. Is it oil ever supposed to leak? I don't know. Things aren't working well. And it starts to dawn on me that, that I'm not using this tractor the way it was designed to be used. And so the thought of breaking my grandfather's tractor broke my heart, and it's an heirloom. So I put it back in the barn, and I got another, another tool, another implement to clear snow. This is a lot like what's going on with us. When we step into this worry place, we start to think in a way that we were never designed to think. We were never designed to be concerned with other, anything other than seeking God's righteousness and seeking his kingdom. Another thing that trips me up here is I always associate worry with work. I don't know if you do that. Like if I'm not worried, I'm not working. Or if I'm not working, I'm just not worried enough. Well, but those two things don't actually have anything to do with each other. You can work really, really hard and not be concerned at all or not be worried at all. You can be really worried and, and twiddle your thumbs. So those, those two things don't have anything to do with each other. So when we, when we worry, we're in a place where we're thinking and we're operating in a way that is not true to our form or our function. When we get away from who we are and what we were designed to do, we start to break down. That's the truth of it. So this is what I want you to remember this morning. Remembering your form and function amidst the storm strengthens your house. It strengthens your house. And Jesus is saying, listen, you need to think about who you are and why you're here. And he says it right here. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that's true, form and function, built to last. So here are two questions that I think we need to ask ourselves when we find we're in a storm. The first one is this. It's about your form. Whose image am I formed in? In whose image am I formed? If you can ask yourself that question when the rain is coming down and the floods are rising and you're not sure you're going to make it, who am I? Whose image am I formed after? And the second one is this. What role in the kingdom am I to play? And that changes things. It makes your problems smaller and it makes life bigger. And it reminds you that you are loved by the king. In fact, you're loved so much that he made you in his image. And he, and he died for you so that you could have this image. That's remembering your form and function amidst the storm. Doing that or building it to last. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here this morning to worship you. And God, I ask that when these things hit us, when we're tempted to worry, that we can ask these two questions. We can ask who we are and we can ask what we're here to do. Lord Jesus, because you made us You created us, and you made us in your image, and we're your children. And Lord, if we understand that, we'll understand our purpose, which is to build your kingdom. God, I ask that you would encourage us in this. We love you, and in your name, amen.